You're listening to the Parents of Hardworking Teens podcast, episode 72, all about A-grade exemplars, those top mark essays or high achieving assignments and what they can do and what they don't do in terms of helping your teen when they're trying to achieve similar results for themselves. I'm Katie Jones, and with over 15 years in education as an award-winning high school teacher, international external examiner, and as a study coach, I've helped thousands of students skyrocket their results and confidence. And this podcast is where I share all my insights, tactics, and tips with you, the parent, so you can help your hardworking team get happy, smart, and successful in their study, and have you both enjoy the journey along the way. This is the Parents of Hardworking Teens podcast. Hello, very important parents. How's things? I hope you're well and I hope all's going great for you and your teen or teens. And I hope that you've enjoyed some of the action that's been happening over on our Rock Solid Study Facebook and Instagram pages. It has been so awesome to see so many of you over there and have you grabbing the free resources that I gave away last week. Those are resources like my two-step topic and focus essay system to help your team break down essay questions and actually answer the question in their response. And my six time-saving Google hacks for research. That's in there as well. So if you haven't been and done that yet, then go and check out the week of posts from Monday the 9th to Friday the 13th of October and find the five gift posts and comment below them. And yes, you can totally be greedy, as one parent put it, and grab all five of them. I will say in my book, that is not being greedy. That is just being smart. But if you do feel like you should probably do something good in return for having gotten all of them, then let me tell you the best thing you can do is to tag friends or family in any of those post comments and pay it forwards so that they can go get the freebies as well and I can help share my message and my information more widely. And quick reminder, we also have over on the socials my monthly live open Q&A session. It is happening on the Facebook page live tomorrow evening in relation to when this episode drops. So that's Wednesday and it's going to be a bit of an exam special. So definitely come and join me for that. And in the meantime or if you're listening to this afterwards, to bring all of this back around to this podcast episode, you can go onto the Facebook or Instagram pages and find the post that I shared recently about A-grade exemplars. Now, you'll easily find it because the image I used for it was one of those amusing nailed it photos with what the amazing cake was supposed to look like and then what someone's actual home attempt looked like. I've got to tell you, my guilty pleasure is with those nailed it cake photos. I don't know why, but they literally just make me laugh out loud. And I laughed so much the first time I saw one years ago. So this was a bit of an excuse to share one of those. And by the way, I'm certain that any attempt that I was ever to make, which is pretty unlikely, (laughs) would be right up there with those disasters. So I'm allowed to laugh at them. I'm laughing with them, not at them. Well, a little bit at them. (laughs) But anyway... 
The whole point of that post was to demonstrate the difference between just seeing and understanding what an A-grade piece looks like and feels like and how it is done and actually then producing an A-grade piece for yourself. And they are often two very different things. So I thought it might be helpful to share my thoughts and experience around this because over the years, I've had so many students either ask me if they can see an A-grade exemplar for whatever it is that we're working on or tell me that they've been given a model answer for a similar project or question that they're working on to help them. Maybe it's an A-grade Romeo and Juliet essay or a top mark science report. And I think that often students think that if they can just see how an A-grade student writes or what they write then they'll be clearer on what's involved and what's required and how they can do it themselves. And teachers think that sharing an A-grade example will give students the template or the know-how to be able to do it for themselves. And I think (laughs) there probably is something in that. I know that often just the rubrics or success criteria themselves are worded pretty vaguely. So having something tangible can be useful. And I do think that familiarizing yourself or immersing yourself in high quality writing or high level content can be helpful in terms of having more of it to draw on or having it feel more familiar and doable. But I also think there is a lot that is actually required in order to go and produce a top quality essay or report that can't be gained just by seeing or reading these exemplars. So first of all, let's talk about the possible problems with students being given A-grade exemplars. And just to be clear, I am not saying they shouldn't be. I'm just saying that just seeing them or just reading them or having them to refer to is only touching the tip of the iceberg. So the first potential problem is really around overwhelm. When the content or maybe the style of writing makes your teen think something like, well, I could never produce anything like that. Or perhaps it's a task that is similar in genre, but the topic or the content inside of it includes subject matter that just feels way above their head. And so it feels out of reach. And therefore, rather than being useful or constructive, it can instead be a little bit demoralizing. And then secondly, I think sometimes these things are treated like they're supposed to be inspiring, a source of inspiration or aspiration. Like, look at what another student produced and here's something to aim for. However, I think that an exemplar should be used not so much for inspiration, but as education and understanding. So it actually has instructional value rather than inspirational value, i.e. it educates your teen in how to do this for themselves. And using exemplars should be useful and actionable, not just inspirational. And thirdly, I think that sometimes it can do the opposite of those two issues and instead might, to your teen, maybe not look or feel as impressive as they expected. And so although that can be positive for sure in terms of their confidence, it can also lead to a bit of a false sense of security. So if a student is already at a high level and isn't overwhelmed by the piece and actually thinks, hey, I could totally do that, then although a boost of confidence is not a bad thing, 
it might also be setting them up for potential disappointment because the key is what is in that piece that's actually getting the top marks. And maybe if it's an essay, they might be thinking, well, yes, I know those quotes from the text and I could use those in my essay or I know how to use those writing techniques or devices or I can write well and I have high quality written communication. But is it those things which are responsible for the A grade result or the 25 out of 25 mark? Partly, most likely, but it will also be the things like the linkages that have been made in the analysis or the trigger words that have been used in the comparison or the way that the students used linking sentences in each paragraph to relate directly back to the question or their thesis statement and not just to the next paragraph. And these things aren't always as easy or as obvious to see as a student when you're just reading through it. And this is where the gold is. It's in dissecting that response and aligning every element with the mark scheme. And side note, you don't always need to use an actual A-grade exemplar or a full mark response in order to do that. Because when I was teaching in Sydney, I had a year 11 society and culture class and they had completed a practice exam paper, which included an essay question at the end. And after I'd marked all of the papers, I then spent with this class a whole double lesson dissecting some of their responses that they'd actually written for that essay question. So I want to share with you exactly what we did. And by the way, I will say I do not remember every lesson I've ever taught in this amount of detail that I'm going to share with you, I can tell you, but you will find out in a moment why this lesson has stuck with me so clearly in my memory. So when I had finished marking, I strategically selected and anonymized three essays that different students had written. I photocopied these for each student and then we went through with a fine-toothed comb what got marks and what didn't, what met a criteria here and why it didn't meet it there. Now, I will be honest, it was a fairly dry lesson, shall we say, in terms of there weren't lots of interactive activities or exciting resources, but I did break everything down into mini segments and actual tasks and guidance. So it wasn't just a case of what I often see happen, which is students are just told to read through this example or, okay, now peer mark this with a friend or mark it and see what you think this got. We actually separated out specific criteria in the syllabus, matched them up with specific descriptors for that question. That was a subtask in itself. We broke down the wording of the A grade descriptors versus the B grade descriptors versus the C grade ones and determined exactly what the difference was at each level and exactly what that would look like, what that actually included or didn't include in an actual response. And then they had to specifically find where paragraph 1B, let's say, had it. So that would be anonymized SAB, body paragraph 1, and where paragraph 2C had it. And why? Specifically, what told the marker that, yes, they had hit this criteria? Or what needed to be done instead if it didn't? We pulled it all apart (laughs) and then put it back together again in our brains in a way that totally made sense so that the students knew exactly where each mark had been allocated and why and how this related to their own writing. 
So it did take a lot of prep beforehand by me to consider what are going to be the best examples of each of the criteria. And I don't necessarily mean the best examples in terms of the top marks, although some of them definitely were, but also the best examples to show this is why this did get a mark and this is why this didn't hit that criteria. So they knew where each of the criteria were and I could share this really tangibly with the students. And I was willing to put in that prep because I knew it would be really worthwhile if they could get all of this insight and build all of these skills in dissection and detective work for themselves. Because, and this is another issue to consider, they were, of course, never going to get that exact same question ever again. So they needed to know how to respond at a certain level in a particular way, not just learn a perfect answer to a particular question. And I was a little bit lucky here. Like it was a good class and it was a relatively small class size. I think I only had about 13 or 14 students in that class. And of course, they'd chosen the subject, all of which, in my opinion, at least, help. But I was still a bit worried that they were just going to find it a bit dull getting stuck in among the weeds because I know I love this stuff and I find it super interesting and useful, but I'm not going to kid myself that students are going to be just as excited about mark schemes and the wording of questions and dissecting specific words in sentences. Sometimes it gets down to that level. So given that this wasn't the most singing and dancing lesson that I'd ever planned in my life, I wasn't really sure how it was going to go. And as we got about three quarters, I would say, of the way through the lesson, and we'd gone through some of the different actions and activities and tasks, one student put down her highlighter, and I vividly remember she kind of slapped both her hands down flat on the desk. And of course, I looked across and paused, (laughs) waiting to see what version of, oh my gosh, this is so boring, (laughs) or why are we doing this? I might be about to hear come from her mouth. And she just said... Miss, this is gold. I will never forget it. (laughs) That's a total magic teacher moment right there, isn't it? And it was all the more memorable because of those dramatic hands on desk. (laughs) Miss, this is gold. And she followed it by, honestly, I am not making this up. She followed it by, this is so useful. Why have we not known this before? So you can see why this lesson is imprinted on my memory, right? (laughs) And after silently letting out a breath of relief, I replied with something like, I know, right? (laughs) And I don't know if that was exactly what I said. I think I was still in just relief mode, but it was just so awesome to know that they were really taking it all in and to see that it really was as helpful and as useful as I knew it could be. And of course, I'm not going to lie, it's always nice to get some genuine positivity and appreciation back from students. So it's not that exemplars aren't useful. I think they can be really useful, A grade or otherwise. It's just that they're not always useful just by themselves or just reading over them. To make them actually useful and actionable to take forwards in future and to give your teen ways to benefit from the content for themselves in a way that also doesn't rely on them just regurgitating the same stuff or relying on almost the exact same question coming up. They need to know why that example got an A or top marks and how they can achieve those criteria for themselves in a different assignment or different question. 
Those are the two critical questions of successful study, the how and the why. And I talked about these in detail in podcast episode 35, questions that create success. So if you want more on that, you can go check that out. But in the case of using exemplars, your teen needs to know how they can do this for themselves. And more specifically, they therefore need to also be able to figure out why this response or this answer or this essay or assignment got that mark. What specifically in it hit the criteria. And I mean exactly what sentence or what word or what quote or what link and why. It can't just be, oh, they had detailed explanations. Show me a detailed explanation. What made it detailed as opposed to just clear? Or if they see that, hey, they used good examples. Cool. Identify me a good example. Why is that? a good example compared to what? What might have been an okay example and why? What might have been an even better example and why? Or if they're picking things out like, hey, they link the text together really well. Where? Show me places where they made links and exactly what made them high quality links. What wording or selections in their writing directly correlates with the criteria? And if you're thinking that this sounds pretty tricky and really, really detailed, you're right. (laughs) It is, which is why it can be so valuable to have expert guidance in doing it, to have help breaking everything down, both the criteria and the response, which is why we do a lot of this in my advanced trainings and in our coaching. But what I hope you can get from this podcast is what are some of the things to actually look for, some of the ways to really dissect and pull things apart rather than just reading through the essay or the report or the exam response as a whole. Because I can tell you that, yes, as markers, we do consider a response as a whole, but we also consider the flow of ideas and how they build and how they connect and whether a thesis is supported and sustained all the way through. And if there's high quality written communication and if that is maintained throughout. But we absolutely also then get into the nitty gritty detail on specific sentences, specific links, even individual words sometimes that determine whether a top criteria has been met or if it's actually the criteria below that that best matches. And yes, we have to be able to justify those decisions. We have to be able to explain the why, explain our judgments with evidence from what's on the page. So the more skilled that your teen becomes in being able to do this for themselves, the more valuable an A grade or any other grade exemplar is going to be and the more likely that they will be able to put into practice and successfully and confidently achieve those outcomes for themselves in any task in future. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here with me and I will see you back here again on the podcast next week. Have a brilliant week. Bye-bye. If you're ready to have your teen achieve their best possible results with less stress, then I want to invite you to enroll them in the 10-week grade transformation program where they're going to learn the key concepts, skills, and strategies to catapult their performance in assessments and exams. It's risk-free. They either achieve bigger and better results with a whole lot more confidence in 10 weeks or we refund you in full. Just head over to www.rocksolidstudy.com forward slash program and I'll see you there.